It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, Matt, playoff time. How do you feel? Let's go, Kyle. Non-stop playoff hockey. You know what they did this year? Right off from the off, they staggered the games, boys. 30 minutes apart, so whenever one's in intermission, I can just slide on over and watch the next one. It's been non-stop hockey at my house. Let's go. So the only the only qualm I have is the other night I noticed it was like a six p.m. start and then a six thirty and then there's an eight thirty start for like the Preds which is crazy for Central and then a, a nine so I was like why can't we do six seven eight and nine if there's four games like yeah, yeah. like maybe that was, but that was just my one qualm because like at least it's better than it has been in years yes past. it has been staggered and it's been great because like usually that intermission lines up with you know another period that's more than likely halfway through so you get to watch another half period while you're like in between the team that you really want to watch so it is definitely non-stop hockey or you could be like me and have it on two different screens yeah so i have been known to do that as well put up some secondary monitors let's go so let's get into our brackets because guys playoffs are going on right now and the nhl this year had a very interesting thing where they gave you until the end of the first game of each series to make your picks and so I'm going to tell you guys right now that I went ahead and picked the Panthers to win the cup. Dan picked the Blues to win. And Matt, you know, I'm going to switch over to you here. We'll we'll see. Tell us what happened here. Well, what happened here, Matt? Well, let me tell you. You know, every year I talk about how I'm going to go with no stats. I'm just going next year. I'm just going to go from the heart and feel it. And this year I made my picks. I didn't do any stats. But the NHL decided this year they'll let you after game one, you can resubmit. And, and change your picks. And I was like, well, after seeing game one, I'm like, uh, I get a little sneak peek of what's going on. I might could switch a, switch a game here or there. So I made a few last-minute switches to uh, Team Matt here. So in, instead of taking the Florida Panthers, I thought that was too easy. They're the freaking President's Trophy winner. They're the best team in the league. I was like, where's the heart in that, Kyle? You got to pick an underdog. I'm rooting for my underdogs. I know I'm wearing a Florida Panthers jersey right now, but let's oh. go. I switched to my boys, the Canes. Let's go. Oh, man. And the best part about this is Matt, right before this, has a texting rant about how basically it doesn't, it like, you know, it basically just nullifies everything. Like, what's the point of being able to like get a game one preview and all this stuff? Like, isn't the whole point to pick ahead of time beforehand? And of course, then sure enough, we log in and he has made the change, not only with his Stanley Cup champion, but he is also... He has also changed the amount of games on some of the some of them because he still picked Florida to win over the Caps, but he also changed the amount of games because uh, I think it was a sweep to begin with, and Florida lost the first game conveniently. So <laughs> I just want to point that out that uh, you know it, it did help a little bit to Matt's yeah. favor that he waited. Um, we're not going to hold that against him too much at the end of the year, but if there are a few extra points that Matt wins. 
Hey, all I'm saying yeah, is we'll it was, it's legal by the NHL standard this year. It's all legal. It seems a little sketch. But by Matt's standard, it's definitely not right. But he still did it. So, yeah. but uh, it, it's, it's illegal unless it benefits me. Then then we'll work yeah, with. Yeah, and it. that ten dollars is gonna feel really good from Kyle. So, you know, Matt, it sounds like I'm playing a board game with your wife, making up the rules as we go. Ah, uh, yes, definitely, Kyle. You call that right on the nose. Her whole family does that. And I guess with that, Matt, we'll get straight into the game. So you guys tell me, and I'll start with you, Matt, which games are you excited for in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, if I have to look at like which matchup I'm the most excited for, it's definitely this Boston-Canes uh, matchup. Uh, Bruins and Canes is is the one I'm I'm really interested in. Both two of my favorite teams in the East. I, I love my Bruins, and I've been rooting for the Canes for so long to make to make a deep run. So this is the one that's that's got my attention for sure. On the this is kind of a loaded question now because we've seen up to two games on some of these series. So like in my opinion, I was going in. I really liked the Kane Boston series, but it's also now two zero. Canes so like spoiler alert we'll talk about that one in just a second but that's kind of taken a little bit of the juice out of it for me so far it's definitely the most exciting has been Pittsburgh and the Rangers um, the goaltending duel on that game one absolutely incredible I thought it was going to be a tight series going into it I think both of you guys picked New York and I picked Pittsburgh which was an unpopular opinion but that said um, I, I think this series is going to have tons of juice for, for the remaining because like you had the whole storyline ahead of time where Igor was like waving to the Penguins off the ice. You remember oh, really? this? I yeah, this, this was one of the uh, last regular season games. Like he had pitched a shutout and he was waving to them as they were going off the ice, like oh. talking trash ahead of time. So, uh, yeah, so I was very excited for this series. And I know like this similar thing with the Canes, like I think it was, uh, who was it in March hand? They've been chirping all year. Yes. So like, that has some juice to it. So, yeah, I would definitely say that lower half of the bracket. The top half is just kind of like more of your juggernauts, kind of like just duking it out. So we'll see where that ends. So, Matt, if uh, if Boston lose, loses to the Hurricanes, because currently right now they are down 2-0 to the Hurricanes, are you prepared to have another, uh, I guess, Brad Marchand crying gift come out? Yes, it will be sad. Uh yeah, for sure. I, they're they're a great team. I, they I, at first when we first did this, I had Boston upsetting uh, Carolina, so I could see a path to victory for them. But uh, it's it's going to be a tough road, especially now that we've seen two games. And but like I said, Dan, you know, just because they went to Carolina and lost two games doesn't mean they're out because that's just the equivalent of holding serve. Yeah, no. So Carolina wins two. Boston could very well come back home and win two in their place and then now you're now you're splitting hairs but uh because at least it doesn't matter if you get trounced one game okay that's just one game let's go to the next game carolina did what they needed to do at home but for me moving forward regardless of if they get past boston which i think they are going to get past boston but having a third string goalie in which we need to talk yeah. about um is crazy because like uh number one's out um i think you know, he had some some problem, uh, and then basically, like their number two's in, and then he gets basically cross checked in the face by uh, Pasta. He's bleeding from the mouth. He ends up being out. So don't really know exactly all the details on that. I haven't looked. Maybe it was uh, like a concussion protocol thing, kind of for that game. I have a feeling he'll be back sooner. But then the rookie steps in, who's had like what did you say? Three, three, NHL, three games. NHL games, and basically came in, steady the ship. They end up winning that game too. Yeah. Um, funny part is though, Marchand also cross-checked him on a video. So I'm like, man, these Boston players are just like super feisty and ready to get at the goaltenders this year. But I think 
the Canes have enough firepower behind them that they can overcome some defensive qualms, and especially against Boston. I just feel like Boston's not as good this year. Like they just haven't returned everybody and everyone's not firing on every cylinder like they used to. Um, they're also aging a little bit more now. Um, so, so I think that the Canes are going to pull out this series eventually, but they did hold serve. And, uh, I think the, the goaltending issue is going to be for the Canes moving forward in the next couple of rounds. Like, can everyone stay healthy? Yeah. I, when I saw the play, uh, Marsh and, or sorry, uh, pasta basically backhanded the goalie. It was kind of probably on purpose. So when the goalie went down, uh, anti Ranta, I didn't think he got hurt. Like, I don't know. He hit him. He's got a mask on. He's just like a backhand. He didn't get cross-checked to the neck or anything. But uh, so when I saw him bleeding, it was like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. That looked a little more serious than what I thought. But I anticipate he, he'll come back. It didn't look like a big deal. It's not like a lower body growing injury, like he ran into the post or something. That that I seems to be uh, – you, you can return from an injury like that. Maybe it was just they already were winning, so they're like, well, sit out and, and save it and just rest up, and, you know, we're going to be looking forward. But, you know, I was very nervous about this new kid. Uh, his name is Peter Kachekov. Yeah. My kind of hockey player right there. Yeah. Very but. Russian. But uh, he seemed to have legs. I think his first three games, I think he won all three of them, uh, his other NHL games. So it, it worked well, but I agree, Dan. It's going to be a matter of you can make it through the first round. I mean, they're a one seed for a reason. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be an issue if possibly going forward, depending on how much time Ranta has to split if he comes back with with this kid. So speaking of thrillers, let's move over to the Rangers-Penguins game. So game one, Kyle, what do you think about triple OT to start? I mean, out the gate, you're talking crazy triple OT action. Well, to be fair, I was not expecting the Rangers-Pens game to go into uh, triple overtime. I mean, the last triple overtime game that I can think of was the Preds Sharks in 2017, uh, which I have been <laughs> thoroughly documented and mocked for skipping Sucker. to go watch a movie, which it was a good movie, but it was a good movie, but it wasn't triple overtime. It wasn't triple overtime. I'm gonna say, um, but it made me made me feel good, you know, to see that you know right out of the gate we were having a series that is going to push it all the way. Dude, have you guys seen the stats? on this first game. I think like the Penguins had like 140 shot attempts, yeah. but they had 83 shots on goal. Like, I'm sorry. Igor was doing everything he possibly can to keep him in the game. I know I pulled up a graphic from Money Puck and it was like expected goals for the Rangers was like 3.4. They scored three. The expected goals for the Penguins was like seven point something, almost eight, because they were just peppering the goal with tons of shots. Uh, I mean, he basically did everything he possibly could, but crazy part is in the second OT, uh, rookie goaltender comes in in relief and is able to keep it perfect through OT and get the win. Like what a great story. Like, I mean, and it was crazy cause like I saw the locker room interaction afterwards and I think, um, they ended up giving him like the little special hat. You know how like every team has something that they do. They gave it to him and he's like, no guys, like, let's be honest, like, you know, he did do like most of the game, but it was, it was a very cool thing to see another rookie goaltender come in and basically do fairly well. I mean, uh, I think they said like through the first two games or the first two nights, we had like 19 goaltenders 
It was something crazy like that. So yeah, it seems to be another. It's going to be another emergency backup goalie kind of uh, kind of a year. It looks like. And I tell you what, while I'm while it's on my mind, I saw a stat actually from Gary Bettman the other day. He was in the first game, which was the Carolina game, and he was shooting some stats. I guess at the broadcast, or he just happened to be talking to Gary Bettman. I don't know if that was a joke or not, but he was like, "Yeah, Gary Bettman said that in the last ten years." more penalties have been called in the playoffs than in the regular season, like per game. That's not good for the Preds. And, but that's something that startles people because we always say that, oh, uh, refs hang up the whistle in the playoffs. But he said, no, that they actually get more penalties called. And I, it's not something I realize because the average fan thinks that no penalties are called because the play is more rough and tumble, definitely harder. But there's actually been more penalties called than you think. Well, that said, I don't know if that's going to factor in well for the Preds in their series because oh. let, let's say that we already lead the league in fighting majors and like taking penalties and you're talking about an Avs team with a crazy power play. So the, Actually, the prob- counter opposite, the Preds are, they go on the penalty kill the most in the league and the Avalanche go on the power play the most in the league. Exactly. That's the exact opposite of what you want. Especially with a power play that's as dangerous as the Avs are with all their star power. But that said, I have to admit though Kyle we got to flip over to to your boy and Ovi and the Caps and that series and what's going on so like we have some competing factors like you know we kind of have a Florida Panthers jersey already represented at the table I'm I'm surprised you did I'm surprised you did not have your hoodie for the Caps on tonight but who comes up with a big shocking win on the road you know I should have picked the Capitals to beat the Penguins but considering the fact that um Sorry, not the Penguins beat the Capitals, but I should have picked the uh, Capitals to beat the Panthers. Get that right here. Uh, but considering how I am a big Capitals fan, I'm not ashamed of it. The fact they came in at the wild card, uh, the wild card spot, they just kind of tailed off towards the end, and the Panthers are so hot. I decided, Matt, to basically be like, "Look, I'm going to pick the Panthers over the Capitals." And sure enough, well, no, 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 all three of us picked the Panthers to beat the Capitals, and all three of us were shocked when we find out that the Panthers drop game one at home. Well, my look of dismal to you, my thumbs down, was because you're just a Fairweather's Cap fan. You were all about them a year or two ago, and now that they're coming in the wild card seed, you're running scared with your tail tucked between your leg, and you got to pick the cap- pick the Panthers. You know, I didn't change my bracket, though. Oh. Well. Yeah. <laughs> got him. Right, it's- How many games did you pick originally? Four? No. I'm going to pull up the screenshot. Don't make me. Don't make me pull it up. I'm going to pull up the screenshot. Oh. What are you saying, Kyle? What I was going to say is, you know, Ovi's a great player. Oh, wait, you got it up there? What you got? Oh, man. It looks like that's a four. I'm just going to hold it up to the camera. Four, really? Yeah. He picked uh, Panthers over Capitals and four. Yeah. Good thing we got that uh, resubmission. Got after. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me that re-roll odds. Hey, remember, as of tonight, though, everyone still has a possible 404 points. Matt would not have been at that, just as a reminder. But that said. I will say, it doesn't matter how many first rounds you get because the points get way bigger oh, once, you way get, more important. once you get the second round, third yep. round. It starts turning from like 10 points to 50 points to 100 points. Yeah, it, it's like your finals is like, the most important pick, yeah. honestly. And like, we have a very diversified, in our league this year, our little uh, uh, NHL bracket challenge, we have a very diversified list of uh, the winners and the runners-up for, for the finals. It's going to be very good this year. So what I didn't expect from this game was the Caps coming back on the road and scoring three unanswered goals to win. Um, I found that absolutely crazy. And you know who starts it off and ties it off and you know to, to begin with? Your man, 
koozie, baby. Yeah, I saw that stupid Sally. Screw that get crap. Get ready for it. NHL the even train. gave a wonderful retweet of a koozie Sally's back in the playoffs. Oh, no. man. That's the it's wor- Matt's, league's worst. It's Matt's least favorite. I swear, like, for the last five years that we've been watching it, like, especially when we were watching it, like, in person on the couch in here, every time he would score, regardless if that was the outcome he wanted, regardless if he wanted the Capitals to win, he hates that Sally. But I do have to rub it in every single year because he was the one that starts it off. And of course, Oshie shows up. Apparently, he just like lives for this and the spotlight. So this is going to be interesting. They're playing again tonight. Um, I fully expect the Panthers to come out and win this game. Uh, I think they're going to rebound tonight. If they lose this one... (laughs) It's going to be interesting. Our brackets are already going to be in in a little bit of parity here. But what do you guys think about Tampa Bay and Toronto, though? Because Tampa Bay is now the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. And the Lightning, sorry, not the Lightning, but the Leafs, when's the last time they actually won a first-round series? It, it's been a long time. I, yeah, it's been like, like 50 eight, years. Eight, no, oh, it's... I'm trying to remember the stat. I think it's been like 30 years since a cup, but 18 years of like not making it out of the first round, like perennial chokers. I mean, it's it's really bad at this point. And like everyone is saying, this is the year. Like Matthews is like smoking hot. Marner's actually playing well. Like they, they got it all coming for him. Well, game one kind of looked like that. Toronto comes out, smokes. Uh, what happened? There was like a five-minute major Am I right? Something like that. Um, there's a cross check to the face. Uh, we get a game misconduct and a five minute major. And the Lightning do not score a single goal on that entire five minute. Which I'm like, if you if you're a betting man, yeah, right. Especially with how hot the Lightning's power play has been recently, and they basically took that momentum and they turned it on the Lightning because after that kill, it was a five to nil game, and. I was like, man, maybe the Leafs are legit. But then, sure enough, the Lightning come back and do exactly what they need to do in Game 2 and actually win. Yeah, like so, I said, that's, at least that was one game. We, we shut it down, start over the next day, and uh, you're still on the road. So again, yeah, it's actually. about holding serve. Really, uh, when you get to a veteran juggernaut team like the Lightning, it's really about, uh, it's almost like a boxing match. You want to pace yourself. You don't want to, if you know you're going to lose this game, okay, let's sit down. We got it lost. Let's come back the next one, round two or whatever. It's really about pacing. And uh, lost my train of thought, something else I was going to say. But concerning Tampa Bay, they have been here so, yeah. So here's the deal with Toronto. Let me start there first. Toronto, this is the best year they've had in, you know, forever. So Matthews is the best. Yeah, yeah. They've had the most wins they've had in franchise history this year, I think. But they are perennial chokers. And Tampa Bay, I thought, well, they're not hungry anymore. They've been here. The odds that they're going to three-peat are very low. But, and there might be a tired team. They're, they're wore out, whatever. They don't have a thirst for the cup. Like, remember how the Predators, when they were that wild card, they came in, they had that thirst. They wanted it. They outworked their opponents because they had a chip on their shoulder to be there and prove themselves. Well, Tampa Bay doesn't have that anymore. But what they do have is grit and determination and uh, a skill set for the playoffs that Toronto doesn't have. And I think when it comes to like finishing the chess match, finishing the round of boxing, they're going to come out on top because they just know what it takes to get those gritty, tough areas and overcome when the playoffs or the championships are on the line. That's that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're freaking clutch. Yeah, I, I have to fully agree. I think the veteran presence there and what Cooper is doing, I, I he is an excellent coach. Like, you cannot slice it or dice it any other way at this point. Um, what he has done and what he 
continues to do to rally them every single year despite some of the roster changes. And I know people are going to be at us in the comments with, oh, the long-term injury reserve thing. Like, I get it, but this year didn't really happen, and they're still doing well. Like I said, uh, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from these games is, as Matt said, if you're playing the first two at home, you need to hold serve. You have to win the first two. And if the road team comes in and takes one, they did exactly what they needed to do in that first in that first two games. That's simple put. Like, I don't care how bad that first game was for the Lightning because they lost by five, and I, the Preds lost their first game by five. The Lightning are a veteran team, and they rebounded because they have that veteran presence, and they were able to do it. They were able to come in clutch and st- steal one on the road. Now they have home field, and they have to hold serve. So that said, I think that's going to be a great series. Um, I, I honestly think the Leafs choke again, but we'll see what happens. So, Well, they can't choke because I told my father-in-law, who's Canadian, that I actually picked them to actually beat uh, Tampa. Oh, you did? I did. Who did you pick, Dan? I picked the Lightning. Yeah, same. So let's go on to the Western I, side. I physically cannot pick them right now, like to make it out of the first, until they prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, like that that you can get past the first round, and then I'll pick you. But like, I, I just can't at this point. You got to have some faith, though. So like I said, let's go over to the Western side, and let's talk about the Flames and the Stars, because that is one series that the Preds were actually, well, say Preds fans were wanting the Preds to be able to play the Flames because they were considered the easier of the two number one seeds. And, you know, we had this thing um, that Matt Sinist had like a. Um, oh, it was a probability so chart. Prob- possible outcome. Yeah. yeah, it was a uh, probability chart. Nine different probabilities depending on the results. And only one of them, which was a Aloha. Nashville regulation loss and a Dallas win, would have them, would have the Preds play in Colorado. Anything else, they'd play Calgary. And sure enough, the stars aligned and we got that very rare chance to play Colorado, which now we see is happening. And so now you've got Flames and the Stars, and they come out, Calgary wins game one by the, probably the smallest score we saw the entire of all the first games, which was 1-0. And so, Daniel, we'll start with you. What do you think about that? I thought this game was incredibly defensive, um, especially with how many points the Flames have been scoring this year. I thought it would be a little bit more, but then I also was sitting there thinking, well, Dallas also had some of the lowest goals against. They're just a very defensive team. They don't score a whole lot, and that's the problem with Dallas is like they are severely offensively challenged because they have like three people doing all of their offense. I think they said it was like Pavelski, um, Robertson. Robertson, and who else is on the top line with them? Ben, maybe? maybe. I can't. Literally, that's like, more than 50% of their like offense. And if you shut them down, they get zero, which happened. So I think that's the Flames' obvious goal, and you can see that out the gate, is they're, they're wanting to neutralize the Stars' top line. And I, I think this is going to be a fairly quick series. Um, I think the Flames have them completely outmatched. But um, we'll, we'll see. I think Dallas can keep it close, and if they can keep the games close, they might be able to steal one or two. But... Um, uh, so far, I, I think it's going to be too much to overcome uh, for the Dallas Stars. And so, Matt, looking at your bracket here, I see that you have got uh, Dallas winning this game in six. Do you still agree with that after watching the first game? Uh, yeah. The main thing is, so Dallas is, I think they're a wild card two. So they're the worst team in the West. Or they wild card one. No, they're wild card one. Wild card We're the worst team in the West. Sorry, whatever. So you're playing the number one seed. So just the fact that they can hang with the number one seed on the road 
is enough to prove to me that that is legit, that they have a shot. So a, a theme I had this year with my bracket is I love personally picking underdogs. I root for the little guy to get over the hump and, and do something great. I love to see that. And Dallas has had such a such a diverse way of scoring this year. I guess you say you, you're seeing younger people and talents that aren't really used to shining shining this year. They're also still hungry. You know, they've been kind of they've been a, a first round bubble team the last couple times. I know they went deep a couple times ago, but they still got they've got something on the plate, something to meet on the bone that they want to go deeper. They have a hunger, and I kind of feel like Calgary. I've been pushing Calgary to go deep for years, and they never do. I feel kind of like they're like Toronto, just one notch higher that they always fail when the money's on the line. They can't do it. So I'm looking for a young Dallas scrappy team like them. They could possibly do some damage to Calgary. And, and yeah, I, I know I picked an upset, but uh, that's kind of something I want to do this year, pick upsets, and I think it is possible. Uh, I will say that the Flames for Matt is my avalanche. Like we've, in subsequent years in our brackets, picked either the Flames or Colorado to go very far, and they've literally let us down every single year. So it's kind of like we have this jaded bias against the two teams. But I will say, like, I do think that the games are going to be really close with Dallas. Like, I do think that they're going to be able to eke out a couple. I do laugh, though, because you did have five games, Dallas and five, and you bumped it up to six, too, afterwards. So. Yeah, I don't know what after, that was about, but uh, well, it was probably after the first loss. So <laughs> I mean, might have been. But before we skip topics, I would like to still talk about the fact that how we how the Predators what, yeah, arrived that's what I was in the say. they're in because not only did you say well they lost the last regulation game, they blew a four goal lead against the Arizona Coyotes or no no who it was it no Arizona no, it was Coyotes, Coyotes because the Coyotes the Coyotes did the same thing to Dallas the game before so dallas was literally leading by three goals going into the into the uh the final period and they ended up scoring three straight goals and then winning an ot so dallas didn't get two points instead of one and then and what then it- the preds did it happen to the preds and then that same night was the same night that the flames the current uh, opponent for the stars ended up scoring with 0.1 seconds and we ended up losing that game. Yeah, which that was, was the, the game that had another controversial call to start that exactly. shouldn't have been called back, and the game shouldn't have went to OT. So you're talking about like a multiple <laughs> it was like ways this, of yeah. how the Preds, have, their destiny has been changed by small factors. And then in another game, uh, who was it? Uh, Dallas had an emergency backup goalie. It was either for them or against them, and that determined the fate of that game. It was they were playing against a team that had emergency backup goalie. So it was uh, Anaheim. So Dallas, yeah, that was their last game of the season. So they easily beat Anaheim and got two points, which was another way that they just barely made over the hump for the Preds. I mean, you got to think how how crazy is that that all those things line up? I mean, literally, you have like a controversial goal go in goes to, uh, and then on top of that, even with the controversial goal you were winning that game Saros gets injured that was what it was remember Matt yeah. Saros gets injured Riddick comes in he doesn't seal the post and then you get scored on with .1 second and then you end up losing an OT to drop the point and then you also choke three or four goals on the Coyotes yeah, it was I mean, like they blew a four, three or four goal like lead the probability of them making this wild card spot went from like hardly anything to literally 100% yeah. in just a matter of small find moments and and it blows my mind because apparently the flames just did not want to play the 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 predators because i mean like they stuck it to them credit to it but uh yeah i mean the fact that we even got to this point is so improbable that it it was it was hilarious to me but once again credit to the stars credit to the flames 
Preds made the playoffs. That's all we care about. But um, yeah, I mean, absolutely, um, absolutely crazy how they got there. And so now we'll move on to the Edmonton LA game. And uh, for this one, I picked LA was going to beat Edmonton in six games. Um, first game, I thought was going to go into overtime, but uh, LA kind of pulled the win out. Second game, Edmonton writes the ship and blows them out six to zero. And so now it makes me wonder if my pick may be, may be incorrect. But oh. I will say the reason why I've picked this is because Edmonton also has that history of choking. And LA is another scrappy team. They had the same exact situation one year where they came in a lower seed and they ended up winning the cup. Multiple times. I don't yeah. know if it was. I think they were actually lower than the third spot in the they Pacific. Were, they were a wild card when they won the cup. Yeah. So I think LA can still pull it out, even though it was a 6-0. They lost the second game 6-0 because now they're going to go back home. As Daniel says, it's LA's, it's LA's time to hold serve and get it. And so, you know, Daniel, you over here wanting to say something. So we'll start with you. Yeah, that, that's my whole point is like they did what they needed to do. They got one game on the road. I mean, regardless of how bad the second game was, once again, we're seeing a pattern of certain teams doing this. Like, And that, I also want to point that out as the silver lining for the Preds. Like, If the Preds somehow come out tonight, which is very low probability, and somehow steal one from Colorado, guess what? At the end of the day, you don't care that the, the score was 7-2 in the first game. You don't. And it's the same thing with the Kings. The Kings won the first game. They they played a great, gritty game. Eked it out 4-3. to three. Second one, obviously adjustments were made. They got creamed. Okay. But you got the one on the road. So can you go home and actually replicate it and take home uh, home ice? Um, I think one of the, the X factors for them uh, might be Quick. I think Quick got the start in game one, correct? Yes. I think so. He was, he was playing phenomenal in game one. So... Um, I think that's going to be interesting because he is getting a little older, but he is proving that he can be a goalie that can steal a game or two. So I think that combined with their scrappiness is going to make this series kind of extend. I still have the Oilers winning the series. Uh, that was my pick ahead of uh, you know the games. But that said, uh, I think this is going to be a very fun competitive series inside uh inside uh this little hemisphere over here because uh this is a matchup i th- i can't remember how many years has it been since they've matched up or is this the first time they've ever matched up i think it was the first time they've ever matched up in the playoffs i thought i saw a graphic for that which i thought was kind of cool so yeah if i had to pick uh an underdog the kings are my favorite underdog team this year to make a deep move it's just odd with them because so Edmonton is like a one-trick pony. They got one hot line there, or your one-two punch in McDavid and Drysaddle. They're kind of weak in net. Uh, here's the thing with the Kings. They are an excellent team defensively. They are top five. I've got a stat here. They're top five in the league in expected goals against, shots against, shots against, attempts against, slot shots against, rush chances, cycle chances, rebound chances, quality chances. That's they are excellent defensively, but here's the big, the big is Drew Doughty's hurt. Drew Doughty had surgery, season ending surgery, he's out. So that's their big piece of the puzzle. That's their big guy. So I heard some of the other guys like on Spit and Chicklets talk about how they were ribbing the Kings saying, well, they're, that, they're basically an AHL team at this point because they're without their big guy. They're without their, their best pieces. And I'm like, well, I don't know, man. They, they still have, they still have it. The stats don't lie. They're at, they're down one missing piece. But what did the Preds do a couple years ago when they were missing, I guess, Johansson? I mean, that was their top three and scorer. Fiala. Yeah. It was Johansson, Fiala, and Fisher got all injured because that was the year that we had Black Ace, Freddie Goodrow, baby, who is now tearing it up for the wild, I might add. 
Um, but Freddie Fiala this year too. Freddie Freddie G. Um, that's kind of like a pan though. Like him and Granlin have had very similar stats. I mean, it's almost been like one for one. So it's been a very it, honestly, that's been a good trade for both teams. Uh, I feel like because like it got Fiala out of here with his attitude, and that was not messing. It wasn't meshing with our our locker room. And then we got Granlin, who has been incredible. Uh, as far as that's concerned, so I think both ended up, you know, winning on that. But that said, I, I, I yeah, that was the year that we Freddie G had his his um, sweater hanging on a little cabinet. Remember, like they had that picture of of the locker room. He didn't even have a spot, and yeah, like literally, they had that. all this stuff like just in the middle of the room on like a floor like cabinet. And I'm like, that's how bad it was. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think. I, I don't think they are injured as much as people are are letting on to it. Like I think, I, I think that that's a stiffer competition team than anybody out there for the injuries that they have. So I think the big issue is is there's so much expectations on Edmonton that people are trying to push them to say, oh yeah, it'll be easy. They got an easy first round against the Kings, and it's not as easy as they thought. Edmonton's yeah, they're great, but they are a solvable puzzle, so to say. And uh, combine that with who I'm going to call Mick regular season, uh, it'll be all right. <laughs> A Mick regular season is great. Um, he can have the Mick rib on the side from McDonald's. But that said, my my whole thing to your point is the Oilers can never find defense in the playoffs. They've never been able to find it. They've never been able to solve the goaltending problem. Um, which I said that, and Smith, sh- you know, pitches a shutout last night but that said that's been their biggest problem and i think that's gonna bite them in the butt at some point whether it's the kings or whether it's the flames or dallas in the next round like i think that is going to be a problem for them still like they can score goals but they get scored on a lot now we'll go over to the minnesota wild and st louis blues i have got the wild beaten um st louis in seven what do you guys got we'll start with you dan uh, let me pull it. Oh, it's I've, I'm obviously picking the Blues in seven. So I think this was, in my opinion, the matchup that had the most juice coming into it as far as the two teams because the two teams were also like consequently two of the hottest teams in the NHL coming into the series. Honestly, if the Blues are on one side of the bracket and the Wild are on the other, I'm probably picking those two to meet in the finals because of how hot they were coming into this, which is almost a shame because it's like these two teams are a first-round matchup, and we've seen it. Like Both the games have been very lopsided. They have a lot of offensive firepower. They also have underlying fairly good defense. Um, you have a one-two punch. I think it's Bennington and Huso right now, yeah. and Huso has been incredible. Uh, for them, and then on the other side, you have Flurry, and I think it's is it Talbot still, or I think it's Talbot. Yeah. yeah. So they both have one-two goalie combinations that are incredible. They're both also getting really good offense from like some you know like under uh, underlying uh, players. I know Fiala's given the the Wild a big boost. Um, what is it? Kiprasov uh, has been Kiprasov has been awesome. yeah crazy. But uh, I think Perron had the hat trick in the first game, and then Kiprasov yes. had the hat trick in the second game. So this this series is shaping up exactly how I thought it was going to be. Absolutely incredible. Two smoking hot teams coming in, and on top of that, uh, I will say that the Blues getting that first one that was huge. So now the shoes on the other foot. The Blues play really well at home, too. So this is going to be a tough series for the Wild to overcome. They're going to have to steal another one from them to get it back, uh, that home advantage. Um, 
I, I once again I have the Blues winning the cup, and I was I was literally at this point where if I didn't pick the Blues, I would have probably picked the Wild to win the cup because it was that close in my opinion. I picked seven games, you picked seven games. I seven think Matt games. picked seven games, and it was the Blues. Yep. So that said, this was the hardest pick for me first round by far. I, I would have to agree. This one to the point, like I can do research and statistics, but it's going to be a coin toss. They're both equally excellent. I think the the big wild card, or maybe say a hot button issue for each team, is that the Blues are a bigger physical team, uh, and they're going to wear down uh, the Wild. So if they happen to make it past the first down, the first round, they go seven games. That's going to wear them out. Just like the Pittsburgh game went to triple overtime yeah. the other night. You're going to be so freaking tired by the end of round one. You're you're going to be toast. But the the wild factor for uh well for the Minnesota Wild is yeah. is Mark Andre Fleury. You had a couple of years ago when he when he was uh, with Vegas, he had a bad game or two, and I and my wife kind of says she she doesn't like me to say that Vegas lost because of Fleury, but they did though. they did. So I he's he's a little older. He's a veteran presence. He is the X factor. Might be a better way to say it. He can be hot. He traditionally is, but he might also have a couple oopsies, and there goes your series. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be incredibly close. And like I said, it's been really fun to watch so far. I mean, it's been, I dare say, wild. And it is going to get even great. Like Kyle's already rolling his eyes. Go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was going to say, you know, we've been kind of circling the team here and it's talking about Matt Goley's losing a game for us. Ooh. Do you think David Riddick is responsible for the Preds losing game one or isn't an overall team effort? And before you guys give your points, you have to remember, Saros is our goalie. He is our top goalie, and he gets injured the very last game of the season with a high ankle sprain. Immediately, it leads to questions because you're like, oh, crap, we've got David Riddick, <laughs> also known as Big Save Dave, to come out and play. We get in game one, and, you know, he allows five goals in the first 20 minutes of the game. Not all of them were his fault. Some of it was on the team, but man, Daniel, that goal from Kel McCarr on him just showed you the big difference between Saros and and Dave. How much time do you got, Kyle? Yeah, that's, how, that's, how, how, let, let's park it right here. Okay, so I'm just going to do a quick recap. Saros gets injured in the Flames game at the end. Obviously, we've already talked about the absolute craziness that has ensued since then. First of all, that game, also Riddick didn't seal the post, and we end up losing. Just want to point that out. Neither here nor there. That was not on the defense. Not on the defense because there was a camera angle and Matt and I were talking about it. There was a beautiful shot where it panned to the right and it's in slow-mo and there is a gap about this big. And I'm like, well, there you go. The uh, disparity from Saros to Riddick is absolutely startling because when you're watching him, and especially I felt like Riddick, the first couple of games as a backup, earlier in the year looked a lot more solid but as the year went on every subsequent backup game was terrible and you started seeing that and Hines started running back to backs even with Soros later in the year I mean there was literally back to back games where Soros was starting I mean that's crazy for goaltenders and the fact that he has that little confidence in Riddick at that point in the year was already telling that he knew that Riddick was not doing well. Riddick also, like, his rebound control is absolutely terrible. He's not square to the puck. Anyway, can go on for days. So, basically, it turned into no-save Dave. Um, yeah, so the stats online 
had him at .87 expected goals for that game against Colorado, and he had five hung against him. That is not good, my friends. That is not good at all. And let's not forget that I looked at the Preds stat page day for the playoffs. David Riddick threw just one, I'd say even just one half of a period, had a .615 save percentage and a 19, almost 20 goals against average. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want him starting the rest of the series. Defense or not, that's terrible. Yeah, so we already have confirmed that Ingram is starting tonight, which I feel like is fairly obvious to say because he came in and after that point, the kid played two and a half periods and the game was close. Like it was a competitive game. I think it was the score after Ingram came in was two to two or three to two. That said, that is way more competitive. If you have an expected goals of .87 and you have five hung on you in the first five minutes, that's bad. Now that said, there was a couple, like Ekholm had a turnover. There was some weird stuff going on. They didn't help the the situation but the one that absolutely got underneath my skin and i put it in the group was the kale mccarr goal kale mccarr makes a nice nifty move of course like he always does around the other side darts in towards the goal with soros he's usually very square he's very upright because he's he's a short goaltender and he has to be to to compensate for that dave is uh six three i'm pretty sure okay so, got a little bit extra room there, you know, on Soros. But the thing that I'm noticing is his rebound control is terrible and he's not following well because as McCarr's coming in, that's when you got to seal up that front post. Like, you got you to go all the way over and seal up that post. But instead, he's still kind of like looking out here for other options and not trusting his defense. And sure enough, when McCarr goes to shoot, Dave actually scrunches in and over and hunches down in the slow-mo because I went back and looked at it and the puck ends up hitting his shoulder glancing off and then going up into the goal if he is standing square or if he is blocking the pole you know, like sealing the post that's not a goal and, and that tells me right then and there he's not reading the plays well he doesn't have confidence uh, with uh, whoever's in front defending him because like Soros would have been all over that post and that's where it would have been. If it would have gone anywhere, it would have been like the little tiny corner above where like you have to put it. But that wasn't an incredible goal by Makar. It was literally Riddick not reading it well. And I, I hate to say that like because Makar has had some fantastic goals from the angle. That wasn't a fantastic goal. That was straight on Riddick. Well, you yeah, <laughs> you said it. So uh, let me take a slightly different angle from it. So, so you know, Dave Riddick's not like you said. The disparity is huge. Soros is one of the best in the league, and Riddick is really not hardly an NHL player. I mean, he is, but like as far as caliber quality. So, that being said, your third string guy, whatever his name is, comes in, and uh, and and holds holds the fort down. So you got to start him for game. Was it tonight? Three. It's game two. Game two tonight. So you got to you got to start him. And here's the wild thing is. It really doesn't matter what your caliber is, what what your expectations are. It matters about who's hot. And I don't care if this third string goalie who plays in the AHL has any pedigree to his name or not. He might just be a little bit more hot at the moment than Dave Riddick is. He might just have what it takes, a little more well settled on his lines, uh, and you know going post to post whenever you go left or right. They might just have it, and it might just be what it takes. And that's the hard part. And I think a couple other teams in years past have struggled with that. They've struggled with sitting like. Mark Andre Fleury and playing the second string goalie who's hot, uh, but in this case for Nashville, even though it's a third string, 
it's it's going to be what it takes to have any chance in the series. And I think Dom at the Athletic already said the Predators only had like a eight percent chance of winning the series as it was to begin with. So then you combine that with Soros out, you combine that with your second string goalie laying an egg. You got to try anything, and and you have to do it sooner rather than later. I don't want to see Riddick in Game Two. Go ahead and make whatever change you can to try to stop the bleeding as fast as possible. Ingram is starting tonight. That's already been confirmed. Um, I think this goes back to the, some of these other teams too. Um, Colorado obviously has to hold serve. So if the Preds come in tonight and somehow, somehow, miraculously steal one, you still got the desired result that you wanted at the end of the day. Like, no matter how bad that first period was and, like, you know, like people just, like, literally just trashing the Preds online for it. First of all, the Lightning lost their first game by five points too, or five goals too. Okay, the Preds lost by five goals too. Um, it just is what it is. Come in, regroup, circle the wagons. You got your third string goalie in there. It is what it is at this point. Now, we did get an update from Hines, though, on Soros today. So he said that he is skating without pads and that obviously there's no really set timetable, but there's a possibility that he could start once they return back to Nashville at some point. That doesn't really sound good for game three. It sounds more like a game four situation, in my opinion. But at that point, like the damage might already be done and we might already be close to getting bumped out. So I, in my opinion, that's just kind of is what it is. Now, I will say for game one, the best thing is Duchesne has like two goals against his former team. But the best part is uh, the second goal, they're literally chanting Duchesne sucks and he ends up on a breakaway and just absolutely destroys the goalie. And he just like casually, like he, he nets it and he just kind of casually looks at the crowd, skates off into the sunset. And I was just like, you know, that's got to feel good. Like going back in, like they're, they're already talking trash and you have two goals against your former team. It's like, that's a good night for you. But um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting series moving forward. I do not, I, I picked the Preds just because I, once again, I was almost like the same thing for, uh, the flames for Matt. I picked the Preds in seven just because, um, and that's not really like just a Homer thing. I just, I literally cannot deal with Colorado breaking my bracket every single year. So it just <laughs> was my pick for this year. But that said, uh, I think this is going to be a tough series for the Preds to overcome at this point without Soros. And I, I think it's going to be way too much. To Matt's ire, I also picked the Preds in seven. Bunch of homers. I know you call. Homer, you call us, I, just, I know you call us homers, but to me, I figured if there was going to be any sort of upset that would bust people's brackets completely, it would be Nashville beating Colorado. Well, I guess I'll give you guys a little credit. So I have heard from other people who are not Nashville market people that Colorado draw Nashville was not an easy matchup. That if for Nashville to be a wild card for them was like they're a heavy hitting team for a wild card. So I could have even seen, I would have even thrown around the idea of picking Nashville over Colorado if Soros had been in net. But once once he got injured the last game of the season, I was like, oh, okay, well then I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to pick Nashville anymore. But uh, I, I give you guys some credit. Nashville, they're a strong team, but without Soros. I literally have the Preds losing in the second round on my bracket too. So like, it's not a big deal. Oh, like, same. It's I got them losing it's too. It's like, it wasn't a homer thing. It was just like, I yeah. can't, I but, can't stand to pick Colorado every yeah. year because I've picked Colorado the last two years to win the, the cup and they've like laid an egg in whatever round it is. So it's like, it just, for me, I had to pick something different. And you know, it's okay. You need some upsets anyway, yeah. and it's okay to root for your home team, I guess. That's all right. I'll let it slide boys. 
Now, as we get ready to close the showdown, because, you know, we're recording this before the Preds' second game, so we don't know the results of tonight's game. You know, everything we're talking about could be obsolete by the time this episode comes out for the video and the audio. But one thing I do want to talk about that we still do not have closure on yet is Philip Forsberg. He has not signed. GMDP is, seems confident they can get something done in the offseason. But if the Preds, for whatever reason, go 4-0 in this playoff and lose and get bounced... Or if they get all the way to a game seven and lose, do you think Philip Forsberg has had enough of the Preds? He loves the fan base, but you think he's had enough of just not being very good with this team? Because he's done great. Great season, but just can't get it done. Yeah, I think there's three factors on this series. One's the Forsberg signing. One's John Hines' contract with and GMDP. And then you also have the Norris impact, which um, I'm sure... <laughs> Matt's going to want to talk about for a second. So let's start with Forsberg. And all signs indicate that they're still talking and that it is moving forward. He's talked with his agent again. So I really think it's just going to be a numbers thing. And I don't think for Forsberg it is like a like I'm going to go chase championship thing at this point. He just doesn't seem like that. Um, he seems like he does want to be loyal here. He has a lot of roots here now. I know he has his fiance, who's also a singer, and like you, you know, like he's very tied to Nashville in a lot of ways. Um, I think he does sign, but it is going to be interesting to see like if we do get bumped in four, and then also if we do get bumped in four, what about Hines' contract? So do we extend him? Do we not? If Hines leaves, does that factor into Forsberg leaving? I mean, there's there's a lot of working factors here that are absolutely going to be crucial to this series and then also, like, moving forward. Um, and then also, if Forsberg doesn't sign, then what does that do to GMDP status? For Because now you've been promising everybody and all the fans that, oh, it's going to get done, it's going to get done, you know, we're, we're, we're this close on money. So when does the ownership group look at GMDP and say, hey – we're just kind of like in an awkward, mediocre spot. The last several years, we've just barely eked into the playoffs and been getting wild card spots. But we haven't been getting good draft picks because you're in that awkward middle position, like has Matt said before. So like, at what point do you either start a rebuild, like legit rebuild? I, I, I don't know. It, it's It's been an awkward situation. And I, I think the ownership group does have to take a look at that with GMDP after the end of the season, because if you just keep going first round and getting bumped off, you're never going to get anywhere. Like the, the ownership group is just very content with making the playoffs every year, but being the lowest seed at this point. So, I, man, there's so many factors and that's going to be a whole nother rant and episode for probably uh, off season because there's going to be a ton of speculation with, for Forsberg, John Hines, and GMDP after this. Um, and then quickly moving over to the Norris. Uh, I've already seen it thrown around. Um, will this series impact the Norris trophy decision? And it better flip and not. That's all I'm going to say. I'm tired of it. Like, uh, at the end of the year, Yossi ended up beating McCarr by like 10 points. Headman caught up to McCarr and was like two points behind him. I don't want to hear it. The Norris Trophy needs to go to Yossi on everything, on every level. But the longer this playoff series goes on where they get trounced by them, which, by the way, just shows that they're the better team anyways. So I don't know why you're making my point because, like, literally he's playing on a superstar team. But if they keep going and they have a long playoff run or whatever it is and he's racking up tons of points, I'm going to be so mad. Absolutely livid. 
if the riders end up swaying and picking Makar over Yossi just because of the postseason rather than a fantastic, absolute, magical, never-happened-in-the-cap-era season. Literally never happened in the cap, in the salary cap era season. So, like, I'm going to be super livid. Matt, you got any thoughts over there? Yeah, I agree. You're, you have a fanboy heart, and uh, the stats merit what you're saying about Yoshi should take home the Norris, but I think there definitely is some credibility to the idea that, realistically speaking, the the playoffs will have an impact on the Norris voting. And you're even seeing it like retweeted from the league, from the I, NHL. I they're like agree. they're like, which uh defenseman is going to score more this series? And you have a specific Yossi versus McCarr playoff series now. So now it's which one scores more in this series. And Avalanche is the heavily favored team. So they're going to score more. McCarr's going to score more than Yossi, very likely. They're pushing this whole button issue even into the postseason about this McCarr versus Yossi debate. And I think it definitely will have an impact on voting. So sounds good in theory that it shouldn't but realistically it, it will i mean like that's my thing is like I, I i'm i'm trying i'm taking all bias out for like me being a preds fan like if i'm just looking at the stats i'm sorry like it is what it is if this is if this is uh fox and mccarr i'm saying it goes to fox you know what i mean like it, this is just not close especially for the regular season but the sad part is Colorado is a big market team. They're going to get more of the, like like you said, that banner, literally, it had both of them. It was like Yossi and Makar where it was in the promotional banner for the defensemen for the points. And I'm like, really? Like, you're going to try to do that at this point? Like, you, you, these awards need to be given very soon after the post, uh, after the regular season ends. That's my opinion, is like, you need to go ahead and do it so that there is no way you can be swayed by any playoff information whatsoever. If this is a regular season award, then it should have been awarded in between the start of the playoffs and the regular season. That's all I'm going to say. It sounds awful defensive, almost like we're a little scared that we already see the way things are going. Dude, oh, I, but you know you're going to be mad. Oh yeah, oh, I you're gonna be. I can just livid. tell even by our body language that we're we're definitely afraid. You're gonna be livid. You're gonna absolutely be livid when it comes out. So I'm just saying, go put a few bets on Macar just to be safe. And so Matt, as we already close the episode up, any stats that we can talk about? Yeah, I got one or two other things I'll mention to you guys. Um, first of all, Detroit fired their head coach Jeff Blashill, which the fan base was very happy about. They've been wanting that for a couple of years. Um, Number two is that this year we had a hundred hat tricks in uh, this year, which is the most, the eleventh most hat tricks in a season in NHL history. So scoring is up. In addition to that, uh, Friday was the uh, end of the regular season. That night they had a hundred and four goals scored that night, which is the most in one day in NHL history. So remember how like last year or year before that we were talking about, oh, we need yep. to make the goalie post bigger, make yeah. the pads smaller so we can get more goals in. No, scoring is up, dude. And just to show you, like the, it, I guess it was Friday too, the last day of the year, the worst team in the league, the uh, Canadians, dead last, by the way, from Stanley Cup finals to dead last in the league, trounced the Panthers, the president's winning trophy team, 10 to 2. And yeah, Panthers had most of their guys resting for the playoffs, <laughs> but still. still I mean, it's so crazy, though. And um, let's see, what else is next? Oh, I would like to say, first of all, uh, Ryan Getzloff is retiring. Yep. Dustin Brown is retiring, and they have always had, you know, that SoCal area hockey, they've had this huge rivalry between their two teams, and it was something special whenever Dustin Brown kind of went over there and hugged him and was like, you know, 
we hated each other our whole careers, but like we're going out as brothers. It's time to retire in style. And they're going out. So it's very sad to see. Also, uh, it looks like I think Andy Green's retiring. I think Keith Yandel might retire. We don't know about this one. We don't know. So we know Brown and Getzlaff are. The big question marks is Yandel, Andy Green, and the big one is Zdeno Chara. It seemed, I watched the broadcast from the Islanders that night, the last night. Uh, it seemed to the broadcasters, they were basically saying goodbye. He's had a good career. They were sending him off. It's nothing official. And he said he doesn't know his plans yet. But he was waving by to the, to the arena. All the players kind of gave him a handshakes on the on the way out the door. So everybody's pointing to he very well could retire, and that is going to be devastating because that's one of my favorite players. Yeah, the, to your point, the Lightning even went over and congratulated him because I think that was the last game, and like all of their veterans went give him a hug, handshake, and he ended up scoring a goal with like fifty seconds left too. Like yes. that was like the cherry on top, you know. So it was definitely like that storybook ending. Like, like that you want to see for a veteran, especially for someone who's played as long as he has. Um, so it did seem kind of official. It, it almost gave me like Pekka vibes on that last game, you know, where like he pitches a shutout and like has like his moment with the fans around and does the lap, you know, it was kind of similar to that to where, you know, it seemed more like a tribute to him just in case. So uh, a couple stats I'll leave you guys with is that uh, Roman Yossi is just the fifth defenseman in history to have 95 points and lead their team in points. And he's only the fourth person in history, defenseman-wise, to 95 points and not have a 100-point player on the team. In history, by the way, for those poll yeah. voters out there you know that are still on the fence. Yeah. Just for Matt. <laughs> That's right. And uh, your boy, Sidney Crosby, now has the most regular season overtime points in history, number one. And he also just recently, last uh, day or two ago, passed Yager and ties uh, Fedorov as eighth most playoff assist in history. And uh, Austin Matthews also has back-to-back -back Rocket Richard trophies, which is the only the third player in history to do so. So uh, heck of a night for uh, for many of these good players. So. Yeah, I, as much as I'd say it, Matthews had an incredible year. I mean, like, goal-wise, he was on uh, – what was his goal pace that at one point? He had matched Mario Lemieux for, like, goals in a specific span of time, and I'm like, that's crazy because that guy was a goal-scoring machine back in the day. So uh, for him to be doing that nowadays, it's it's a pretty impressive feat. Somebody mentioned the other day that they thought he's going to be in the consideration for best American of all time when it's all said and done. I, I think so. For sure. Like, I, I think – what who's probably up there right now for American Kane? Patty Kane, probably. I, I think he catches Kane for sure, especially at this pace. Like, if he if he is scoring sixty goals a year, that's staggering. I, I mean, like you could be seeing him kind of approaching like OV status towards the end if he kept that up. But we'll see. And guys, that's going to be the show for the day. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at Music City Gold. If you want to follow us on YouTube, you can find us at Music City Gold as well. And if you want to find us on iTunes, you can find us in two different places. First one being Music City Gold on iTunes and Penalty Box Radio. And finally, you can find us on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. 
Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.